Yeah, way calmer night tonight. It's almost eerie how calm it is compared to the windstorm last night. I'm just out here assessing the damage. And you know, it's funny, for as loud as those sounds were, I know the show I did last night must have picked up a few of them, but it was going on before and after that too. But some of those sounds, like I, I seriously would have thought like a battering ram hit my house. So far I've only seen one medium-sized branch. Somehow these tiny little pieces of trees, these tiny little just twigs, it hurls the twigs at your house with such force that you think it's something massive. Um, but yeah, just uh, enjoying the eerie quiet the next day over here. Something I was thinking of, I, I gotta remember what it was. Um, oh, it was just the different ways that my generation has expressed its nostalgia. You know, it's a topic that comes up here pretty regularly. Quarterly, at the very least, I do an episode just talking about nostalgia. And how, you know, this isn't even anything new, but there's been a nostalgia industry for so long. You know, basically since the internet came about, nostalgia became a totally new industry unto itself. You know, there was always a, a market for that stuff. But I've thought about this before with, like, my dad's generation. You know, my dad's, like, like, a true baby boomer. Both my mom and dad, true baby boomers. Born in 1948. Both of them were born January 1948. And how, you know, it, they weren't, like, when they were growing up, you know, like, they, they became adults in the 60s, went to college. They experienced, like, the 70s, starting a family and, you know, settling down and that kind of thing. And, like, they liked some things, like, like some of the music and stuff. Like, my mom, she was a huge Doors fan. She was a huge fan of Jim Morrison and the Doors and saw them live. Which is kind of crazy, you know. A group like that that is, is just some myth to someone like me. It's kind of crazy that my mom went and actually saw them multiple times. But, like, yeah, my parents, they were into, like, some of the music and things that they always liked, you know. They were into stuff that they had been into when they were younger. But it wasn't even really nostalgia. It was just like, oh, this is the music I'm into. This is the music that I, that I got into when I came of age. It's just very normal. But the adults I know, you know, it's not just my parents, but, like, outside of just kind of staying into the same music they had been in, into when they were younger, they weren't really into other stuff from their past, like, there wasn't any kitsch around their house. There weren't any collectibles. Like, I didn't know any grown men who collected old toys. I mean, I did know one family, actually. I knew this family. They'd been our neighbors. Like, our families had known each other for generations. And then they later, like, moved an hour away and bought, like, this old hotel. It was like an old inn. Just the, but it had been turned into a big house. And they bought that, and like we would go and stay with them. And they, they did have a lot of like kitschy 1950s, 60s toys and you know, zany stuff around. But it wasn't like they were like collectors. It was, it was more just kind of like that, that wild and crazy aesthetic, like pulp stuff. I'm trying to think of the right term for it. But yeah, it was like pulpy, you know, old metal toys. Just that whole that whole vibe, but it wasn't even necessarily like stuff that they were nostalgic for. It was just more this kind of like zany, artsy aesthetic, I guess. 
But I remember, like, getting into G.I. Joe's at one point, and, like, my dad being like, oh, yeah, like, you know, like, we were into those, like, the, the big 12-inch doll versions. But it wasn't like, like, that's, like, the only time he'd encounter that. Like, the only time that, you know, if you, if you were a baby boomer, the only time that you'd encounter, like, that kind of nostalgia was, like, if you went to a second-hand store, if you went to, like, a collectible store. Of course, there were, like, some people who were comic book collectors. Like, of course, there were some people who were into all that stuff. But it wasn't, what I'm getting at is it wasn't an industry unto itself. Like, if you were really into, you know, Buck Rogers or something, there'd be, like, some sort of fan club or, or some something like that. But it wasn't, like, part of this industry with a bunch of other stuff. It was its own thing. And then with the internet, you know, suddenly, like, all these people who are my age... And, you know, you know, I was born in 1985, so it's like I, I didn't really experience the 80s. Like, I, re I, I remember glimpses of it. I do remember, like, going over to certain people's houses. Like, we had some relatives who had this house with, like, white carpet. Everything was white. And in that ultra-80s, sleek, modern style, which everybody loves now. Everybody's hungry for that now. That, like, retro-80s aesthetic where everything looks like sterile and unlivable. But like, we'd go over to their house and it was like my, uh, they were blood relatives of mine, really good people, but like, they just had that full on 80s aesthetic in their house at the time. And I thought it was, I thought it was cool, but it was, it was also alien to me. Cause like, our house wasn't like that. Like my family didn't have like a, like our, our decorations and stuff were not modern at all uh, you know like we didn't update ourselves or anything like that so I'd go over to these people's houses and I was just like I knew at the time even though it was very current then I knew at the time like oh this is 80s that's kind of the crazy thing about the 80s is like even when you were in that decade like yeah I only have less than five years in it and then I got the backwash of it you know, in the early 90s, but even then, it was like, I knew immediately that, like, what I was seeing was uniquely 1980s. It wasn't just like, oh, this is, this is new. Like, I somehow knew that this is very unique to this particular time, this, this particular decade, the 80s. And so, like, by the time the internet came around, my generation was already kind of nostalgic for the 80s, even though we didn't really experience it as fully formed creatures, a lot of the culture that we took in, you know, I probably actually remember less of the 80s than I think. It's just that I was so into 80s things in the 90s that I probably think I was more aware of the 80s. It's probably another example of a lie. You know, I, I did that episode about all these little lies you tell. I got a good email. Actually got a, <laughs> a friend of mine who listens to this. I didn't realize he still listened to it. I'm not going to read his email here. I'm outside anyway. But uh, a friend of mine emailed me just about like some little lie he told to a family member. And he just kind of doubled down on it and, and it just never got corrected. And he felt like, it, one, it made him a liar technically. And then uh, he felt like a certain branch of his family just assumed because of that one little lie <laughs> that he's a liar. 
really really great response <laughs> but anyway you know that's probably another an example of that for me you know I, I always use the examples of like lying about having seen a movie when you were a kid and then forgetting that that was a lie like my example was always I told somebody at a very young age I had seen Friday the 13th when I actually hadn't and then I just kind of convinced myself I had and there's so much cultural osmosis with Friday the 13th and Jason and all this that I, it wasn't even like I doubled down for any particular reason I just never sat and, and like reminded myself like oh yeah you lied about having seen that 25 years ago I would say like me saying I have memories of the 80s is kind of similar where it's like I was exposed to so much 80s stuff right around the time I was coming of age and like you know and this is the thing too is like we think of decades in these chunks that begin in 1990 and end in 1999 when the first few years of a new decade are always it's just always the backwash of the previous decade like if you show people a picture of just like the average dude the average young man in uh, 1982 there's a decent chance they'll think it's actually in the 70s like the hairstyle and stuff just the, the overall look of things because that's happened to me like I'll see a, an image I'll see a, a picture of somebody and if you were to ask me I would be like oh that was probably taken in 1978 77 but no it'll be like 1981 82 because it's like you still see the, there's still the backwash of the previous decade it really takes a few years into a new decade for it to start to develop into its own thing but for whatever reason we we don't group them that way we just say the 80s because i think about that like my experience with that was the early 90s where when i look back at what was going on in the early 90s it might as well be 80s you know, it really might as well be. You can still see the 1980s in all of it. But, uh, you know, what I was going to get at is just, you know, being the first generation to get the internet as a teenager. Or even a little bit before, maybe. But, you know, my generation, it was like a lot of people, pretty much everybody I knew one way or another was using the internet at least a little bit by the time we were like 13 or 14. And with that, though, came like this sudden immersion. Like a minute ago, I was talking about how like if you were an older guy and you weren't some like nerdy collector, you're not like some nerdy sci-fi collector. There's a good chance you would never come into contact with some of the stuff you were into as a youth. And like that whole collector, collectible thing I've talked about a lot, how... Growing up in the 90s, like everything, every fucking thing in the world was billed as like, this is going to be collectible. Oh dude, that's going to be worth so much money. You know, everything was framed that way. Every time like a, like a new set of trading cards came out, there was always, oh, this one's going to be so collectible. It was all manufactured. They'd call something limited edition. Like they had mass produced it, but in like slightly fewer numbers than they could have. And so it'd be like, oh, this is limited edition. And so much of it ended up being completely worthless. I've, I've ranted about that before. 
But if you think back about like earlier generations, nobody thought about toys being worth something. Like it, it used to be a totally common practice for like once a son grows up, once a son's like 18 and goes to college, maybe even younger, maybe even when he's still a teenager, his parents get his toys, they get his toys, and they just throw them out. Or if they have a garage sale, they, they get rid of them that way. I had, a, I had a, a friend growing up, and his brother was like eight years older than us. And uh, so his brother had been like the perfect age to really get into the Star Wars, the original Star Wars movies when they came out. He would have been born in like, I don't know, 1976 or something, I think. 77. So he'd been like a five-year-old kid, six-year-old kid when Return of the Jedi came out. And so he, he had a bunch of the toys and stuff. And at some point, though, like his dad was just like, oh, he doesn't need these Star Wars toys anymore. He's, he's a teenager. And just like threw them out. They were the original Star Wars toys, which at that time were insanely collectible. They were worth a lot of money. You go to a comic shop and they'd have this glass case with all the original Star Wars figures and they'd be like 60, 80 bucks. And, uh, but I remember like we all heard that story and we were all like, oh no. Did you hear, did you hear about, uh, what our friend's older brother, like he had all these Star Wars toys and his dad didn't know they were worth anything and he just threw them out? You hear stories like that. Oh, they took all his baseball cards and they just threw them out. Because it like because that kid's dad, like he didn't grow up in a world where you were told that stuff was worth anything. Like toys were something you got into as a kid and you played with. You didn't think about like some collector market. Whereas by the time I was a kid, that was already a big thing. There was such a big collector market for everything. Like, that had become an industry unto itself. Like, people thought about stamps and things that way. Obviously, stamp collectors were already a thing. But it's like the idea of a comic book collector, that, that was still a relatively novel idea. It wasn't, like, chances are you wouldn't have known one or heard of one. The idea of being an adult toy collector, probably very rare. And so, you know, if you were if you were an adult at a certain point in time, you just, you weren't like constantly reminded of the things that you had been into when you were growing up. You'd be like, "Oh yeah, I remember GI Joes." Oh, I remember that. But it wasn't it, it didn't like remain an interest of yours. Like may, you might know like you might have an uncle or somebody who who was really into old westerns as a little boy, really into John Wayne. And so, like, once in a while, he has a drink and watches John Wayne movies when the wife's away or whatever. I knew families like that. But it wasn't, like, this nostalgia trip. It wasn't, like, like a way that men like that decorated their lives. It was just like, oh, this takes me back. It's like this brief little flicker of nostalgia, but you really have to seek it out to find it. Flash forward to me and my generation where it's like... A big, a, a, a major use of the internet was to like constantly remind you of everything that existed when you were growing up, and even things that like you that existed but that you didn't even encounter. 
Like, there's some weird shit I saw as a kid that I didn't know what it was, and I never actually, like, saw the cartoon, but I saw, like, one of the toys once, and it seemed so esoteric and weird. One of these was, I'm trying to think of what it was called. I found it recently. It was the first time I had looked this up since I was, since seeing it as a little kid, but it was some sort of cartoon and toy series. It was about space cowboys. And it, w- it was like this space cowboy cartoon. And the bad guy was like this really fucking scary... Vil- like, like He was in all black, of course. He had a brimmed hat and he wore all black. And he looked kind of like... Uh, kind of possessed or demonic. And he had a big white mustache. What the fuck is that thing called? It's like right on the tip of my tongue. I don't know if it was big, I don't know if it was popular, but like one time I saw like a couple of the toys. I might have been at the thrift store and I saw the bad guy toy. You know, and I might have seen it in a toy guide because that's the thing too is they made these toy guides that I would just pour through them. Like sometimes you go over to a friend's house or like I, I think I had one at one point. It was called like a toy guide, an action figure guide. And you go through, and they would just have, you know, like, all the... It was a price guide. So it had, like, the, the collectible price of every toy that had been made, basically. Every action figure that had ever been made, going back decades. But why I liked it is they had photos. They would have photos of all these obscure, weird toys. Like, I remember seeing these Dungeons & Dragons toys. It's probably pretty windy out here, but... I saw these Dungeons and Dragons toys that I had certainly never seen in person. A friend of mine ended up having one of them later. He had this weird toy that was uh, it was about the same size as Star Wars toys. Just a lot of toy talk here. Doing a lot of toy talk. But it was like about the same size as a Star Wars toy. But it was like this wizard-looking man with a, a long white beard and pointy ears, like an elf. And I think he had a cloak... And my friend was always like, where is this? What is this? He had gotten it at a second-hand store. He'd gotten it at Play It Again Toys or someplace like that. And he uh, he would always say, like, what do you think this toy goes to? It was amazing. Like, we couldn't look it up. I think years later we found out, probably because of a toy guide, that it was part of this Dungeons & Dragons toy series, action figure series. It's the only time I ever saw any action figures from that series. I think it came out a few years before we were of age. I don't think it was super popular. I don't know. I know there was a cartoon. I think they were based around a, a D&D cartoon. A D&D cartoon. But uh, there was a lot of stuff like that. I wish I could remember the name of this space cowboy thing I'm talking about. But like the image was burned into my brain. Because since I had never seen the cartoon or ever heard anybody talk about what it was, I just saw these images of these like cartoon space cowboys and this cartoon space villain. Uh, space cowboy villain, whatever the fuck he was. Space outlaw. And it always gave me a very weird feeling. I don't know how to describe it. It was like, it was like seeing something I, I didn't understand. But, uh... Anyway, where was I going with that? Like, you know, know, getting the internet and having access to this nostalgia machine. 
where it wasn't just that you could revisit everything you had grown up with. It was that you could also like take a look at things like that. Like something weird that you caught a glimpse of once as a kid. Like you could find out what that is. You, if it was a cartoon, you could watch it. If it was a video game, you could track it down and find out what it was. Like it's, it's, it's kind of how I felt about Joust. Not that long ago, I was talking on here how like the first time I, I know that I ever saw somebody play a video game. It was at this family friend's house and they had a son who was a few years older than me. And he was playing this game, like an Atari game, on his uh, TV. And it was just like this, this bird running around. There's this bird running around. Have you seen this? It's just this bird that runs around. No, but it was just, just like this very like primitive graphics, like this bird just running around on different levels. I think it had like, I think a man was riding it. It was a hen's joust. It's like you play a guy, like a, like a knight, who's like running around on a, on a giant bird holding like a, a lance. But I had no idea what it was, and I, I don't know if I'd ever actually seen a video game before. Uh, this is one of my earliest memories. I, I must have been like three or four years old at the oldest, so this would have actually been in the, the late 80s. My mom, I remember my mom being like, look at that. And like the family friend, the kid who was a few years older than me, like he had friends over who were his age, and they were all like transfixed, like watching this little bird. I, I, I remember it vividly. And I never again saw it. I never looked it up. Atari never interested me. Like, it's kind of cool that it existed, this early form of video game. But Atari, it just never really interested me. And I was never curious, like, what games existed for it. So I never even thought to look this thing up. I never thought to look up Joust. And so I, just not that long ago, I, I know I did an episode where I was like... I finally figured out what it was. I looked it up. It's a game called Joust. But up until that point, and I mean, it was this very esoteric memory where I just had this, this very vivid but also vague recollection of sitting in this family's house. I can still remember the room seeing a video game for the first time, and it was just this like ostrich-looking bird running around with like a, a guy riding it, just like an outline. And how these older boys playing the game were, uh, they seemed to know what they were doing and they were really into it. They were like cheering my friend on, the family friend. They were like cheering him, like he was trying to beat his high score or something like that. And they all seemed to know what was going on and I was just sitting there like, what is this? But I, I felt that way a lot about like cartoons, video games, things like that. I've told the story on here too about the Donald Duck hot air balloon that I never brought up again, but when I was a baby, this is another one of my first memories, even even younger than the joust memory. This is, I was a, an actual baby, so this is one of my first memories. My mom, sister, and I were driving home from somewhere, and we see a giant Donald Duck hot air balloon landing at this park. There was this park in my hometown called Juanita Bay Park that used to be a golf course that had been turned into a kind of a wildlife place, but they still had these big, just huge green fields where the golf course used to be. And this, this Donald Duck hot, hot air balloon was landing in the field, 
And so we pulled over because this was insane. And my mom got us out of the car. My sister was probably like, probably eight years old. I mean, I, I was probably like, I was like one or two. I mean, I don't know how I remembered this. I think it was just so shocking to me at the time. Because I don't think my sister was older. She couldn't have been older than nine. She's seven years older than me. She couldn't have been older than nine. She was still tiny. I was probably like two, though. And uh, we got out. I know I've told this story before, but you know sometimes it's worth retelling. And we went toward the hot air balloon, and like my mom and I stayed up on the hill, and she was holding me, and I, I was very. Uh, you know, it was funny because I, I was so cautious about it. Like I, I didn't trust whatever this was. Like I think I knew, <laughs> you know, I think I knew who uh, Donald Duck was and everything, but just the idea of seeing this hot air balloon that looked like that, and I'm just a baby, right? So, uh, like, my mom held me, and I just kind of, like, observed. I was very cautious. I was very, I didn't trust the situation. And then my sister went, and, like, these kids got off the hot air balloon, and they were playing these games. Like, they were sitting in a circle. I think they, like, sat in a circle, like, all the way around the basket of the hot air balloon. And they were, like, putting their legs together and then, like, closing them. And doing just these weird like circle games on the ground it was like the kids I don't know how, there couldn't have been that many kids I don't know how, how many people a hot air balloon holds but it seemed like there were a lot like I, I remember feeling like it was like a camp but it was just weird like they, they landed and all these kids got off the hot air balloon I feel like I'm describing a UFO or something which it might as well have been but my sister like joined them I was playing these games with them and I was just in my mom's arms this baby just with this creased brow like I don't trust this what is this and then I never brought it up ever again like but I've had this memory because it wasn't just that the hot air balloon was Donald Duck it was the super early Donald Duck where he's his uh the blue is like almost black it's like it's almost like it's like this deep deep navy blue like the original Donald Duck cartoon and his bill is a lot more orange. Like if you check out super early Donald Duck you'll see that it's like his hat's kind of different and it's it's almost black and then he has a really orange bill. And uh, and it's it's a little scarier. So it was modeled after that version of Donald Duck. But I never brought it up again. I just kept that memory with me. And I knew it happened. Like, it sounds like a dream. It sounds insane. But I always knew that it happened. And it was like my family never brought it up again. And then the last time that my mom and sister and I were all together before my mom died, at that point my mom, you know, hadn't gotten sick yet. You know, she, she hadn't gotten necrotizing fasciitis. But it was about a week before my mom died. And uh, my sister had, was recovering from surgery, so we went and visited her. And, you know, I obviously had no idea this would be the last time that all three of us were going to be together in one room. And we were sitting there, and I go, do you guys remember seeing a, a Donald Duck hot air balloon like 33 years ago, like 32 years ago? And my mom and sister were both like, you know what? Yeah. It was at Winita Bay Park. And I was like, yep. 
and you guys remember like it landed like we just we we rehashed it and we had never talked about it again and they remembered they they, they completely remembered it and i'm like i'm so glad i brought that up because that's probably my first memory if i had to break it down beyond just some sort of vague glimpse of something that's like the first event where like i and i remembered it accurately too like their recollection of it was very similar to mine but anyway what was like i guess like what I, what got me going on that is just that like how many of these weird memories i had formed of like cartoons and video games and like toys where i didn't know what it was i was either too young or it was like something that I just, you know, never encountered or anything like that. And, uh, you know, like the internet gave you sudden access to all this crazy shit, you know? Like suddenly you can go through these archives and then YouTube's a whole other thing. Like you can watch cartoons that you missed when you were a kid. I didn't do much of that, but like... Every once in a while, I'll kind of think about something, like the, the Space Cowboy thing. I wish I could remember the name, because I did look it up recently for the first time since I saw it as a kid, and I did find out what it was. And my memory of it was totally spot on. The villain looked like I remembered. The good guy looked like I remembered. Um, But that's, that's something you could do with the internet. Be like, here's just something I caught a glimpse of that's like some some ghost deep in my memory. Some weird cartoon I didn't understand. Some toy I saw on a shelf in a, a store and didn't know what the fuck it was. It's like, now I can find that out. While also like revisiting everything I grew up with. I mean, like... That shit, like, causes me pain, though. As much as I do love a certain amount of nostalgia, and I am someone who thinks a lot about the past and treasures the past, I've had experiences before, like, this is even a long time ago. I was probably in my 20s. And I was just smoking a bunch of pot, playing old RPGs. I was just revisiting old video games, getting stoned. And as I was playing it, it just like hit me. I was, it made me so instantly depressed. Like I, I felt so alone. <laughs> I remember being, <laughs> I felt so alone. I did though. No, I, I felt like in that moment, I was like, I'm just like being stoned and ultra self-reflective. I was like, I'm just like reverting to childhood. I'm just, you know, I'm entering this this other state of being, getting high. I'm sitting here getting high, like trying to access the same frame of mind I was in when I was 10 years old playing this game. It took me to a dark place. And I didn't play video games for a long time after. Because I was like, I don't want to feel that way. <laughs> I don't want to like, I don't want to realize, I don't want to get the raw end of my nostalgia like that again. That's kind of what it was. I got the raw end of that. But I wonder, like, what's going on? Because, like, I mean, like I said, it's become an entire industry now. Star was just like, oh, I can find out. I can read about this stuff. I can remember more. 
to like companies that just make t-shirts where like you can you can order from the same website and get like a, a t-shirt of super mario zelda you know star wars and tons of more obscure stuff too Like, you can get a Star Wars Droids animated series t-shirt at the same place that you get your Battletoads, you know, 2 t-shirt. It's not uncommon, I mean, like, and I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm not looking down on anybody. I'm just saying this is how it is. I'm just saying this is how it is. And it's like, it's not uncommon for me to go to the grocery store and there's an adult's car with multiple bumper stickers that refer to like different aspects of like 80s or 90s pop culture or or video games or or Yoda or Yoda It's not uncommon to like to park next to a car at the grocery store and there's like stickers of Darth Vader and Yoda's heads Yoda's head It's just how it is, you know? I mean, it's just... And I'm trying to think if there was anything equivalent to that when I was younger. Like, was there anything like that going on with older generations? Like, it doesn't even seem like bumper stickers are that popular outside of, like, politics or slogans. But I'm just trying... Like... like if you were growing up in like the 70s and 80s, like were there adult men who had stickers of like something that reminds them of something they grew up with? I don't think so. Like I went to this barbecue, I don't know, probably 2000, maybe 2009, 2010. And there was a dude there, it was like, my friend was having this barbecue, and there was some dude he, he knew there, who was in like a t-shirt that was just the Death Star. You know, it, it was the Death Star from Star Wars. It was a cool shirt, it was just, it was a vintage shirt, it was black, and it had the Death Star, and I think it just said Star Wars. But I remember like getting there, and like, like my friend was like, dude, check out his shirt. Dude, check out this guy's shirt. And I was like, oh yeah, it's a cool shirt, you know. It was a cool shirt. Like, if you like Star Wars, it was a cool, like, old school Star Wars shirt. But it's like, I look back on that and I'm like, yeah, we weren't really at that point then. Like, 2010 or whenever that was, like, we weren't really at the point where, like, that industry had fully, like, grabbed a hold of everything. Where, like, now if you go to the store and you don't see five Star Wars shirts, it's a, it's kind of a weird day. And I'm, I'm barely kidding. Like, if I don't go to the grocery store and see, like, five Star Wars shirts while I'm there, that's kind of weird, because normally I see fucking five. Fucking five. Not uncommon at all. And it's and it's it's just it's like and there's nothing wrong with it. Like I mean, you know, you can make fun of it and stuff, but like there's nothing wrong with it. It's it's not like it upsets me in any way. I just find the change weird. Cause even though there's new movies coming out and all that, it's like people are still mainly focused on the originals. Like when someone my age wears a Star Wars shirt, they're mainly wearing it because of the originals.
And I mean, I just, I never imagined like like we'd live in a world like when I was a kid into Star Wars. Star Wars. When I was a kid into Star Wars, um, I never imagined that like in 2020. I mean, I never even thought of 2022. I never thought about what 2022 would have been like. But I certainly never imagined that it would inv- it would involve like at any given time on a single commercial block there could be 10 people here wearing Star Wars shirts and they might have Star Wars stickers on their cars I never imagined that I never imagined that I, w- I would go everywhere I'd go I would still be seeing like Super Mario everywhere I mean I had a friend from high school who later worked for Google for Google your work for Google and he told me it was what was so insulting about it because like, they set up a Google office in my hometown after I left they set up a whole complex it's a big it's a, a whole Google headquarters there whole Google headquarters dude and so this kid I went to high school with like he was working there and he, he ended up like leaving and I asked him like how it was I was like how, how was working at Google and he was like you know like so insulting he's like you know they'll they'll pull you into these private rooms and give you like these scathing criticisms maybe not maybe i'm exaggerating that but he's like they give you these weird criticisms meanwhile there's like a there's a giant pixel art of super mario on the wall like on on the hallway outside like to me that that's almost like the modern horror funhouse like like you know the old trope was like oh you know the circus or the carnival but it's actually evil and this thing that's supposed to be like funny and childish and goofy is actually evil like the whole like i mean really tired and old cliche of like clowns being evil and all that or being afraid of clowns the modern version of that is like Super Mario on the wall of your office. Because when he told me that, when he when when this kid told me, my high school friend, when he's like, yeah, you know, it's like they give you these criticisms in private rooms. Meanwhile, there's there's like giant pixel pixel art of Super Mario on the wall that takes up the entire wall. I'm like, oh yeah, that is like the modern funhouse hell. You know, you're working for this company that like like harvests the world's information and controls everybody's minds you're working for lady google you're working for lady google and you know you're working for this this entity that like basically controls everybody's consciousness now they're giving you weird critical reviews in these like private rooms Meanwhile, it's like you're surrounded by like primary color Super Mario nostalgia art. Hell. That's the modern funhouse. And I, I remember him saying too, it's like they have like they have like a room that you can go into and play video games. Like there's a little room with like a a, a Super Nintendo in it. That's like uh, what that reminds it's like Pinocchio stuff. It's like how they lure Pinocchio to the island like tempting him with like sweets or something and like fun and they turn him into a donkey that's what that reminds me of it's like 
Hello, adult. Hello, adult male. Don't you miss the 90s and video games? Come with us. Work for us. There'll be a giant Super Mario pixel art above your head at all times. And we'll let you, when you're on your break, you can go in that room and play video games and like have sodas. It's like the sleepovers you grew up with. Meanwhile, they turn you into a donkey. Meanwhile, they trap your soul in a jar. And, uh, you know, that's the nostalgia industry for you, though. Like, things getting branded with that shit. You know, and that went hand in hand, too, with just like, you know, vintage and retro. Like, you know, like I, like I mentioned, my sister was like seven years uh, older than I was. And so like a chunk of my childhood when she was still at home would be like my mom and sister and I going to Seattle. My sister would go to all these secondhand stores, find cool retro clothes, retro clothing items. But it wasn't something you just came into contact with all the time. You know, she had, like, we went to some cool stores. Like, at the time, I was just a bored kid. What we call a bored kid. Here, you got a bored kid here. But, uh, you know, when I look back on that, I'm like, that was kind of amazing. Like, just going to all these weird secondhand stores in Seattle in, like, 1994. 93, 94. I'm getting nostalgic just thinking about it. But you go to all those, and it, but it, it wasn't something that was just everywhere all the time like you had to make an effort to go find stuff like that and now you think about like like i joke but it's like the truth is i don't know shit about fashion i don't pay much attention to fashion until it's like in my face i don't pay attention to fashion until it's in my face but it's like one thing i I am aware of though is just like how there's this whole vintage retro market online through Etsy and places there's so many online boutiques and so there there's just these there's just an entire marketplace there's an entire industry set up to like serve you your past it's not just something you incidentally encounter it's not just something that you have to deliberately seek out by going to secondhand stores it's something that's just there all the time and because a lot of new stuff sucks, you just end up being like a 35-year-old male wearing Ninja Turtles clothes. Like, there's a guy, I, I listen to his podcast a lot, really like him. He's about my age. And I was watching it, and I noticed that he was wearing like a, like a new shirt. Like some like very hip new shirt. And I think it was like blue or, or white or something. And then it had like this very stylized front pocket. And the front pocket was just like a print of all the Ninja Turtles faces. It was kind of, you know, honestly, it was kind of cool looking. I would never wear it, but like, it was kind of cool. But I, I thought about it and I was just like, yeah, that's just like part of what I'm talking about though. Where it's like, there's even like high fashion that uses like Ninja Turtle prints. So you can be like an adult, you can be like a stylish adult male, but also have, you know, your childhood interest on you. It's just funny. It's just funny that that's actually totally normal. It's not nerds doing that. 
It's just totally normal people are like, yeah, I'm going to adorn myself with the stuff that I, I've been into since I was five years old. But the truth is this stuff was cool. That's why I'm not knocking it. That's why I'm not knocking anybody for doing that. But I don't know what it means. Like, I'm not knocking anybody individually, but I look at that and I'm like, what the fuck does this mean for a culture? That adults are just like, I'm going to be into the same things I was into when I was five for the rest of my life. I'm going to wear t-shirts of this. I'm going to watch cartoons from when I grew up for the rest of my life. The fact that that's actually a mainstream lifestyle. I don't know. I'm just glad it's not a windstorm right now. It's not a severe windstorm. It's a nostalgia storm. Nostalgia storm. That's a great name. I'm gonna start. See, the thing is, my tune would change really quickly. And I don't even think I'm against this stuff. I'm just kind of aware of it, and I'm kind of resistant to it. But I, I think my tune might change if I started profiting off of it. Like, if I started running an e-commerce store, an Eric commerce store, where I sell, you know, nostalgia, like, I start doing, like, artsy screen prints of Ninja Turtles characters. If I started making a living off of 90s, 80s, and 90s nostalgia, I might, I might suddenly just see the virtue in it. I might, I might see what we call seeing the virtue in it. It's going to be the name of my store, though. Nostalgia Storm. If it's not already taken. If it's already taken, I'll do knockoffs. Nostalgia Blizzard. I like that, though. Nostalgia Storm. Come to my store. You can buy Super Metroid hoodies. You can buy Star Wars. Star Wars everything. Come to my store. Come to my store, Nostalgia Storm. You can buy Star Wars everything. Star Wars everything. Hey, welcome to Star Wars everything. That's how I'd lose my mind. That's how I, I would become like that Funhouse killer. Like I would become the evil clown in the Funhouse, except I'd be like an evil grown man dressed as Super Mario, like running around in a warehouse filled with like Star Wars and Legend of Zelda shit. It's the new Funhouse. Funhouses are always like primary colors, but now it's like the new Funhouse is like Super Mario pixel art on the wall of Google.
Yeah.